beautiful. Thank you, Amanda. Thank you, Delaney. Just wonderful job. Hey, stay standing, if you would, for just a second. Welcome to Grace Church. I'm so happy that you're here today. If, if you've been a part of this church for decades and you've been with me for years and you're hanging in there with me, thank you. I love you. If you're new to Grace and you feel like we're off to a good start together, I'm so glad that you're here and thank you for joining us. And if you're visiting today, if this is your first time and you never come back, um, I'm glad you're here, <laughs> truly. There are great churches all around us and I'm glad you're here worshiping today. So welcome to everybody who's online worshiping. Thank you, those of you that are worshiping outside. I'm glad you're here and that you're just a few feet away from us worshiping as well. But um, thank you all for being here. God bless you all. And I'm going to let you be seated while our kids are dismissed for class. Kids, we love you. Have a great time with Miss Cassandra and the children's ministry team. And if any of you have not subscribed to our church email list, please do that, okay? We're sending out weekly updates about ministry events, um, just general announcements, things that you need to be aware of for our church. And so if you haven't done that yet, please sign up through our website. Um, I sent out a little video this past week where we're constantly trying just to, to stay in touch with things. We have a lot upcoming this fall, um, not to clutter your calendar because I know you won't do everything that we're offering, but we, but we have a lot of ministry things that we're doing this fall. Once we come out of summer, once we finish the Olympics and get back into the, the real world, we're starting Rooted, Connected, Small Groups. Our Better Man Summer Series is continuing into a fall series. Our women's ministry has events planned. Um, we're starting a new young adult group. Um, I'm uh, starting a marriage group. I don't think I've told you that, Jess, so <laughs> it, maybe it's safer to spring it on you publicly. <laughs> but um, we, we've um, a lot of stuff happening. Our Stephen ministers are starting a new round of Stephen ministry training, and we'll be talking about all of these things, so important stuff happening. But this morning, I'm super excited. We just had a group of our students um, head up to camp, and a lot of you donated money to help offset the cost for camp, and I thought it would be great to hear from one of our students. And so Caitlin McCartney is willing to come up and talk to you. She's going to greet you. She's also going to read the scripture passage for the message today. And after she reads it, I'm not going to be reading it again, so really follow along with the scripture text that we're going to um, use for today's message. So Caitlin, come on up, hon. Thank you so much for just being one of our amazing student leaders. Hi, guys. My name is Caitlin McCartney. I do recognize quite a few familiar faces out there today. Um, I'm 15, and I've been going to Grace for the past few years, and this past weekend, I was blessed enough to be a part of our Forest Home Camp. So... This past weekend was totally amazing and life-changing. I think I speak on behalf of all of the students when I say that, none of which would have been possible without all of the help from our congregation. Thank you for all of the parents who helped support us. It's just been such a blessed experience. This weekend, we did this past weekend. I'm a little nervous. Sorry, guys. Um, this past weekend, we did so many cool things. We felt so welcome there. In the chapel, we, I really, truly felt a connection with God while I was up there, truly life-changing, none of which would have been possible without everyone here. So thank you so much for that. I was invited to read some scripture for today's message, so here we go. Here is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 through 17. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. 
Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom to cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Our next verse is 1 Peter chapter 5. I'll let you guys get to that. Verses 8 through 9. It says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Perfect. Caitlin, would you mind just saying a prayer, too? Oh, of course. (laughs) Okay, please bow your heads and close your eyes. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you that we are all able to be here today. Thank you for all the opportunities that you're giving us, Lord. Thank you that with COVID, things are opening up and things are heading in a better direction, Lord. Lord, please touch the hearts of everyone here today. If they don't know you, Lord, allow them to feel your presence today. Please bless Pastor Chris with his message. Please let it touch every single one of your hearts. Thank you for the opportunity that you gave me this morning to speak to all of you guys. Lord, please touch every single one here and let them have an amazing morning and the rest of their day. Anyone who's going through something, Lord, allow them to see that with you it's going to be okay. And please let everyone here feel you this morning. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Caitlin, would you mind just preaching? (laughs) So great. Thank you. Thank you. I just don't know if there's anything like seeing a beautiful inspired young person who loves God and wants to make a difference and growing up in our world and our culture today, and yet they're bright and excited, and um, it's just so inspiring. So thank you. Great, great job. All right. Well, I've been very excited and afraid to have this conversation with you today. I've been excited uh, because I have some very important Uh, takeaways for us this morning about how we should live in this specific epoch of history that we're in. An epoch, of course, is a moment in history that's marked by notable or extraordinary times. Um, But but I've been afraid uh, because I'm going to talk today about COVID, so thank you for that prayer. I'm going to talk about COVID, and I'm going to talk about some of the other things that we've been living through, and those are not easy things to discuss. I'm wanting really to just have a very personal conversation with you, um, thus the stool. (laughs) I'm trying to evoke a more relational feel, so um, how am I doing? (laughs) Um, I want to share with you what it's been like being a pastor during these 18 months of COVID and pandemic, and and I'm doing this for a few reasons. Um, First, I'm doing it because we love each other, and I want you to know how Jessica and I are doing. And second, um, the things that I experience in my position as a pastor showcase the relational state of our world today in a very graphic way. 
And so by looking at some of the things um, that, that I've been experiencing, it can help us understand more of the spiritual big picture dynamic um, in our culture. I hate talking from a stool, so I don't know if I'm going to make it, but I'm just going <laughs> to, I'm going to just try. But um, the, the third thought today is that in light of all of this, I want us to draw some very specific conclusions as we move out of this pandemic, because whether the pandemic ends quickly or, or drags on a lot longer, our world and our times have changed. If it's not COVID that we're dealing with, we are going to be dealing with something. Uh, so the, the message title today is Post-COVID Convictions. And I know that might be a little bit premature because we're not out of COVID, but we've been in this long enough to have drawn some clear conclusions about some things. We are living in exponentially changing times, and life is going to be this way. We are going to continually hear about natural disasters, about political upheavals, about the questioning and, and challenging of societal values and of, of governmental issues and challenges. Um, that's just a reality. We are in unstable times, and we're not looking for some great stability to magically appear um, on the horizon. Um, but, but let me also say that even though that's a reality, the future will also be good. There is always hope in every generation. Every generation in human history has worried about the generations that will follow. Every generation of grown-up Christians has worried about whether or not the faith will be transmitted to the next generation. In fact, I was reading a journal excerpt from one of the first pilgrim families to land in America, and they were writing out their prayers for the next generation, and the things they prayed, we could be reading them and praying them for students at Claremont and Benita and San Dimas High School. There is always worry and there is always hope. There is, <laughs> there is hope for Malachi Jonathan Monsi Baez. <laughs> so that's, our, that's our grandson. And you, you, know the, you know the grandparent code. You can't say the name of your grandkid without showing an annoying picture. So, so there's, there's... Now you know how I feel when you make me... No, I'm just... Um, but listen, this is our world. And these are our times. And there are some very specific things for us to evaluate and conclude from these past months. So um, in sharing with you like this today, I'm going to be very honest, and I'm even going to be a little vulnerable on a couple of these points. Um, and in sharing some of the things that have come to me and at me the past year and a half, I know that I will say some things today that you strongly agree with. And then in the very next breath, I'm going to say some things that you're going to strongly disagree with. And I want to ask you just to hang in there with me. Um, I, I, later on, when I briefly touch on some of our uh, corporate COVID protocols, um, wh whether you strongly agree or strongly disagree with me, I, I want to be a little bit idealistic here up front. And I want us just to, to remember that, that here at Grace Church, we are in this together. And this is our church. And this is our tribe. And this is our moment to stay close and in a healthy, appropriate way, process some of the times that we're living through. Um, we're, all, we're all, as Caitlin read, we're all trying to figure out how to honor the emperor, how to 
um, silence the foolish talk of ignorant people. That was in our text. What we're trying to figure out how to do so much good right now that we come out of this thing with a credible witness for the world around us. We're trying to figure out how to navigate life in this world as citizens, but also aliens, connect, uh, resident aliens connected to a, another kingdom. Um, and those aren't easy things to blend together. Uh, those aren't things that are as simple as, well, of course you should do this. It's obvious. Or of course you should be doing that. Why would you even question it? It's not that simple. And, and then let me pull in that last verse that Caitlin read, um, because even, even though Peter told us to honor the emperor and submit to governors, he also said to resist the devil. So somehow we have to navigate the tricky reality of submitting to governmental mandates and protocols while resisting an anti-Jesus supernatural power that sometimes operates there. And, and let me tell you something else that, will, um, that makes this a little bit tricky, especially for you and me. Christians are prone to conspiracy theories. See, we believe that what Peter said is true. We believe that there are supernatural forces at work in the world, trying to influence individuals, families, and even entire nations, either for the evil or for the good. We believe that. That's New Testament. So whenever we see something in our world, um, whether it's in the government or some other area that's troubling or alarming, it makes sense that we get suspicious and we wonder, hey, well, what else is going on? What's behind this? Sometimes there is a spiritual cause at work that needs to be resisted. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes we just don't like something. Sometimes we don't like it in our humanity. It's not how we would do things. It's not what we think is wisest. But, but, but regardless of what it is, I, I think and I hope that some of these post-COVID convictions will help us discern and navigate the way forward. So, so stay with me today, okay? And, and let's see if we can land together on a wise, healthy, scriptural place as we navigate this epoch that we're in. We have all been affected by the events of the past 18 months. We have all been affected by the presidential election cycle, by COVID, by the um, racial upheavals in our world, the Black Lives Matter movement. We've been affected by masks and vaccines. We've all been affected in different ways. And I don't think that my experience as a pastor is worse than anyone else's. I don't think I've had a more difficult time than other people during this past year. I think school teachers and educators have had a very challenging and unique context to deal with. I think that small business owners have had a very difficult time this past year. I think parents at home trying to figure out Zoom for education for their kids have had a super tough time. And I think anybody who's lost a loved one to COVID. Um, I haven't done any COVID funerals this year, but I've done multiple funerals where loved ones couldn't be with their departed loved one because of COVID. And for those people, it's been the worst experience than for any of the rest of us. But, but, um, but I, I have been in a context as a pastor that has had some unique challenges that not everyone else experiences. Um, pastor Tim Keller, I'll show you a picture of his handsome mug on the screen. Um, Tim Keller is a, a very respected, renowned pastor, author. Um, they, they, they hail him as a modern-day C.S. Lewis um, he's been battling pancreatic cancer 
for the past 18 months. But I listened to him in an interview just a few, maybe a month or so ago. And the interviewer asked him, what has it been like being a pastor during the pandemic? And he actually has just stepped down from his role of leading his big church in New York. So he said, well, I'm not technically a pastor because right now he's just writing and doing leadership development full time. He said, I'm not technically pastoring, but my wife and I just had that same conversation. She asked me the same question and I said to her, all I have to deal with is pancreatic cancer. I don't have to be a pastor during the pandemic. And he was being humorous, but, but he meant it. And um, uh, the, the, he's, then he went on to say, there's no affirmation for pastors right now. Nobody's telling pastors they're doing a good job because they're not doing a good job. He said, it's impossible to be doing a good job right now. There's too much division. There's too many strong opinions for pastors to feel like they're winning in the big picture right now. Um, now, that's a little grim. I think that that's not been my experience to that degree. As always, this past year, I think Grace Church rocks. Um, is that still our password, by the way, for our network? <laughs> it, it was for a really long time, so if you need to log on, not anymore. But, but I have experienced some tough challenges. So let, let, let me have the pity party for just a second, and then I'll move to the, the, con, the convictions. The biggest professional challenge for pastors right now is the simple fact that there are so many different opinions, so many different convictions, and each camp of opinion is claiming moral or intellectual superiority or a greater biblical authenticity and accuracy. This has not been an issue of Lakers versus Clippers. Of course, it's Lakers. It, it, this hasn't been an issue of personal opinion. People have deeply held convictions on a lot of issues. In fact, um, Doug Strange, one of the, the men from our church, at the very beginning of COVID, he said something very curious. He said, my goal is to get through this time without losing any friendships. And when he said that, I remember I kind of laughed, and I thought that's kind of humorous and quirky and, and extreme. But I think that he had some foresight, and I think he had some perception that I, I wasn't aware of at the time. Um, these past 18 months have damaged friendships. They have driven wedges in between family members, and they have fractured churches. Um, and the, the combination of all that we've lived through, any one of these things we've lived through could do that. But the combination of four or five or six major things has created a nightmare for unity, it's created a nightmare for bridge building. Uh, and by the way, where does all of that come from? Scripturally, who is the author of confusion? It's not God. So here are a few of the perspectives that have come to me from people at Grace Church. Some of these are from outside Grace. Most of what I'm going to say has come to me from Grace Church. Um, I have heard, I cannot believe you would be having church in person. When there is such a deadly pandemic happening around us, how could you be so irresponsible and insensitive? And I've heard, I am not coming back to Grace Church if I have to wear a mask. In the same week, I'm hearing these things. And by the way, I'm not yelling because I'm yelling at you. I, just, I don't know how to sit on a stool and just chit-chat. So <laughs> Then stand up. So smart people that I love, and have respect for, have said to me with deep condition, conviction, we should not be submitting to these mask mandates. We cannot live in fear. 
We cannot send a message that we're going to hunker down and be afraid during quarantine because of this virus. And then other smart, convicted people that I love have said, it doesn't matter how confident we are. It doesn't matter what our personal faith is. We need to serve the community. We we need to model care and love for for the world around us. This is a chance to serve the world. God-fearing people that I love and respect from this congregation have said, we cannot submit to encroaching government control. Other people have said, we must submit and lay our lives down for the community around us. You know, caring for people has been a little bit tricky during COVID. Some people have felt deeply cared for by our church. Other people, not so much. Um, I've had people in the same week say to me, thank you, Grace Church has been awesome. In the exact same week, other people, man, where's my church? I feel forgotten. And and, and I hate that people have have felt that. I want to say very adamantly, our staff has tried so hard to pivot to be innovative, to be flexible, to make the shifts, to to pray, to connect. We've tried. But you know what? Um, It it really is true. When you're dealing with a lot of people, you can love somebody deeply and then forget about them when you're in a staff meeting saying, now, who haven't you seen in a while? How's everybody doing? Is there anybody that's having a hard time? You can love somebody deeply but not remember them in that exact moment. And that's that's true. But, But I am so sorry for any of you online or here that felt forgotten this year. I'm so sorry. Um, Nobody should ever have slipped through the cracks in a time like this. So if that was your experience, I repent and I apologize. And I also would like to say that um, it's a two-way street. And I've had some people check on me this year, and I've had a lot of people not say a word to me this year. Um, John Schmidt, I think he adopted me this year. John Schmidt reached out to me probably every other week this entire year. I, he must have put me on his calendar because he'd be like, hey, hey, Chris, how you doing? How's Jess? How are the girls? How are you holding up? Are you still a Christian? <laughs> he, he, he checked on me regularly. There are other people I've walked with for years who have not said a word to me this year. Not one, Chris, how's your family this year? And, and I'm, not, I'm not offended about that, but, but this is my church too. And I get that I'm the pastor, so I know it's my job to reach out. I totally get that. But you're my church community, and we all need to be taking care of each other. And I think it's fair to say that caring for people has been tricky in the pandemic. Um, I've been affirmed this year for times that I facilitated the addressing of racism and the upheaval of our country in matters of race and equality. And at the exact same time, I've been challenged by people who have been afraid that maybe I'm venturing towards some movements that have some um, uh, non-biblical agendas attached to them. And and I don't mind that challenge, because that kind of movement is always possible. Um, Racism is a national sin in our country. Its roots go so deep, it predates the founding of our country. So racism is a national sin that needs to be repented and rejected and healed. So thank God it's exploding all around us. That's good. Now, having said that, the Black Lives Matter movement has some other values and priorities in it that are separate from racism. So if I support the anti-racism of the Black Lives Matter movement, does that mean I support every single thing about the movement? See, this stuff gets complicated. Um, And and how about government? This will be fun. Um, (laughs) what, what, What should our posture be toward the government? 
let me, let me just talk about pastoral views. There are pastors today who are saying the world is watching us. We have an opportunity to serve our community and model sacrificial love toward the people in the pandemic. Christianity 101, go the extra mile, love your neighbor. Um, we, we, we will go the extra mile in honoring the mandates, in making people feel safe. Nobody has told us that we're the only ones that have to wear masks, and so Christians aren't being picked on in that respect, so we're going to go along with this. Other pastors have said, no, the government has no right to tell us what to do. We are of a different kingdom. We are called out as the assembled worshiping community of Jesus. And, and, and so who's right? Who has the moral clarity there? Because everybody thinks they do. Um, th th there have been church leaders this past year that resisted COVID protocols and then confronted other church leaders for not having courage. And, and they actually used World War II language alluding to the time when pastors refused to stand up against Adolf Hitler. And those are serious accusations. And for anyone who's conscientious, that matters. You know, my job is not to keep the peace. It's to advance a spiritual revolution. I don't want to compromise, but if COVID is real, I don't want you to catch it. Does that mean I'm syncing up with Hitler? So, so, so these are the things that have been in my world and in my context. We've all had an equally difficult time discerning which presentation of science we're going to listen to. Um, if I lost a loved one during COVID, it would be the worst pandemic ever. Um, but if I haven't been personally touched by it, then I have to decide. If I'm hearing all different narratives, which we are all hearing all different narratives, I have to decide how exaggerated are the numbers. If most children are safe, should we be shutting down schools? Or if even a tiny percentage of children are unsafe, should we shut them down for the sake of those kids? I don't want to lose any of the elderly people in my life to COVID just because they're old. <laughs> and yet, if it's primarily the elderly community, are there ways to take care of the elderly community? Um, um, the, how much of what's being presented is pure wise science? How much is wise science mixed with fear? How much of it is wise science mixed with fear and agendas? How do, how, how, do we, how do we navigate this? And listen, for a pastor, these are big questions. Because if I don't appease someone's conviction in this area, you can leave me. And you can find a church that aligns with, with that more. If I'm too laissez-faire in all of this, if I'm too casual, I'll fail in your eyes. And you won't trust me. Or if I implement protocols that you think aren't necessary, um, then you might find a church that seems to have a more courageous, lesser complying stance. And that has happened this year. We have not had a mass exodus from our church. We have not lost a lot of people, but we have lost some people. And I want to tell you something. It's okay for you to leave. It's okay to you, for you to leave if your conscience requires it. But if I have officiated your wedding... If I have prayed for your children, if I've walked with you for years, you can't just disappear and leave me hurt and wondering, well, wait a minute, are, are they with me? And Oh, wait, oh, they're going to CCV or one and all now. Um, sorry. Um, um, I wasn't making fun. It just slipped out. Um, <laughs> you, you need to talk to me and cry with me and handle these things right. It's, it hurts to not have people respond to you or communicate with you. It would hurt you in your personal life, and it hurts as pastors. Um, let, me, let me quickly move through this next one, because um, 
did, did I mention that we had a presidential election <laughs> during all of this? Here's what I've heard from you um, regarding the, the, the election. Um, I've heard all of these things from people at Grace Church. Donald Trump's policies are the best option for our country, period. We, let, don't react to any of these, okay? No, I'm serious. Don't react to any of these. This is what I've heard from genuine, from, from you. Trump's policies are the best for our country, period. We need to support it. I would never support Trump personally, but politics is not about personalities. It's about policies. Therefore, I do support this platform. Um, you can't separate the two. And so I cannot support Donald Trump with a clear conscience. I cannot support Donald Trump with a clear conscience, but nor can I support Joe Biden with a clear conscience. Therefore, I will abstain with my vote or I'll vote third party. Or I am supporting Joe Biden because of my conviction of conscience in these areas of governance and national policy. See, I, I've, I've heard all of that, and I, I want you to know something. As a person, I honestly understand all of that. But as a pastor, I get squished by all of that. Um, wait, you're not supporting this party? Do, do you lack moral clarity? Do you lack courage? Wait, you're supporting that policy? You're compromising what matters most? See, I'm in this awkward position of not fully pleasing anybody. Um, I, I understand why Democrats are passionate about caring for people. That's in the New Testament. I understand why the Republican Party is passionate about small government and personal responsibility. That's in the New Testament. Um, but if I've mentioned political stuff, I've gotten pushback. Shouldn't be talking about that in church. But then if I haven't said anything, I've gotten pushback. Pastor, where's your voice? So I'm, I'm not complaining. I'm bringing you into not just my world, but my world is a picture of our world. So this is a little snapshot of my life, but my, my little life is a picture of our world. So how do we move forward? Listen, I don't know if I'm doing a great job. I, I don't know. I, I think Tim Keller's onto something. I think it's really hard to handle all of this well. Um, and I'm doing well. So this isn't a self-pity. I'm not burning out. I'm, I'm in a great place. I, but I'm trying, and I do think there are some things that we can rally around despite the confusion, and that will help us transcend the confusion, and it will help us inform our approach to the confusion. So very, very quickly, let me give you four post-COVID convictions. Number one, we will fight and win the right battles. The apostle Peter made it very clear, your primary battle is not against the emperor, it's against the hosts of hell that are opposing Jesus and persecuting his followers worldwide. Now, was that spirit at work in the emperor? Yes. The emperor of the Roman Empire at the time of this writing was the emperor Nero. And you remember reading about Nero? <clears throat> he was vicious. Uh, you've heard the term Roman candles. You may have lit some during the 4th of July. That term was coined because of Nero burning Christians at the stake to illuminate his garden parties. Nero would dress Christians in sheepskin and send them into the arena to face wolves. And it wasn't just Christians that he had opposed. He persecuted all kinds of people, but he had a special vendetta against Christians. Uh, but Nero was, was, was vicious. Um, I read a book this past year by Suetonius. It was a first century Roman historian, a book called The Twelve Caesars. Suetonius says that, that Nero, for a hobby, would walk the streets at night in disguise, and he would attack people in the dark. And if the person pushed back, he had guards around the corner that would come to his rescue. He was, he was crazy. He made his horse a senator. <laughs> and, and, 
And it was under Nero's rule that both the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul were executed. And yet neither Peter nor Paul say fight the emperor. They say there are some other battles that are more important. Now, the church in our country, this is, this is my stab at a prophetic thought. The church in our country could be in danger of fighting secondary battles while overlooking the real battle that we're called to fight. Sometimes you can look like you're winning when you're actually losing. Do you guys remember the Golden State Warriors a few years ago? They won 73 regular season games. That was the most in history. They set a record. But then they lost in the final. You can look like the champion all season long and then lose the game that matters most. Our primary battle right now is not for religious freedom. It's not for political power. Um, We could win those battles and forever lose our voice with the very society that needs us to have those freedoms and those values. Now, as citizens, we do need to advocate for freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, but not so that our lives are comfortable and tidy, so that we have more freedom to keep preaching Jesus and spreading the gospel. Um, Listen, America is not a a theocracy. We're not a religious country in the sense that you must believe the God of the Bible. We are a pluralistic society where every person should be free to follow the convictions of their conscience, um, including Christians. So we need to vote and lobby and advocate for freedoms. But, but, But if the church in our country got as committed to telling people about why we're in love with Jesus as we are committed to forwarding Facebook blogs and posts and political essays, what what kind of a difference could we make? Um, Our battle is for people and against spiritual forces. And everybody says amen to that, but, 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 but that's not how we always live. See, listen, spiritual warfare happens on our knees in prayer Ministry happens in relationship with people that you disagree with. If you make a person your enemy, you will never win them for the kingdom of God. Jesus Christ, not Peter, not not me, Jesus Christ said, love your enemies. The best way to win an enemy is not to villainize them. It's to furiously pray for them and then figure out a way to relate with them and engage with them and love them and serve them. So number one, we will fight and win the right battles. Number two, we will keep our affiliations clear. See, you know that this is happening. Right now, everyone is forcing you to pick a side. And even the very word side implies that there's really only two sides. You're for or you're against. You're you're with or you're anti. Um, Oh, this is what you think about the vaccine? You must be one of those. Fill in the blank. Or, oh, wait, this is your perspective on that? You must be this kind of a political person. Really? Are there really only two options for us out here? Is there really not a third way forward? Is there not a kingdom that's transcendent to some of these things? There is. And that kingdom is embodied in Jesus. And so number two, we're, we're going to keep our affiliations clear. And that leads to number three. We, church, are going to talk about Jesus more than ever before. Do you think the average Christian spent more time during COVID talking about why Jesus is the hope of the world 
and winsomely and lovingly and intelligently engaging with people about the offers and the claims of Christ? Or, or do you think we spent more time talking about COVID protocols? And I understand that COVID's in our face, so that I understand. But, but which is more important in the long run? Um, and by the way, I'm going to help you with this this year. I'm going to get better at talking about Jesus in my personal life. I'm already trying. In fact, the other day I pretended I was Greg Lether. I was... <laughs> I was walking through my neighborhood and I was doing a prayer walk and I walked by this guy who was just sitting in his garage and I don't know why I had the thought, but I thought to myself, I bet Greg Lether would stop and talk to that man. So I, I walked back and I said, hey, I, I'm, just, I'm just praying through the neighborhood. Is there anything I can pray for you about? And he, he looked at me and laughed. He's like, I'm good. <laughs> so I'm like, well, then you should pray for me. But, um, but, but I'm trying. Greg would have had a better experience, but um, I'm trying to talk about Jesus more. And I'm also going to do some teaching, and I'm going to do some classes this year, and we're going to figure out how do we engage with people around the claims of Christ and have intelligent conversations. So we're going to talk about him more than ever before. Number four, last point, we will do more good. Did you catch Peter's words in that passage? We're supposed to live such good lives that we are like Teflon. Negative accusations cannot stick. Listen, COVID was a test run for us. Some people think that COVID was a test run for the end times. I don't think that COVID was the beginning of our end times. But it is interesting how quickly the nations of our world galvanized overnight around a cause. And actually, this, this year, I'm going to do another round of my teaching on the book of Revelation just to help us grapple with some of those ideas and hold some of those, those views in tension. Um, but, but whether COVID was um, setting the stage for the end times or not, we will have other opportunities um, to, to do good. And, and, and so Jessica and I were talking last night, and she said, how are we going to be remembered when it's all said and done? When history reads back on this moment, how will Christians be remembered? If we, plan, if we run the narrative out fully, will we, will, we, will we be remembered by all the good that we did? Is that going to be the, 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 the taste and the feel and the remembrance of, of the church in America during the time of pandemic? Peter seemed to think it should be. Um, and listen, even if, even if the media is increasingly slanted against Christians, and it is, the world around us will still recognize the church when it does good deeds. Jessica and I are in relationships with people who are deeply opposed to our Christian worldview, but they have deep respect for who we are and how we live our lives and what we support so no matter how hostile a world around us becomes, they will always see good works because good work speaks to the human soul. It touches the human heart. So listen, we're going we're gonna to go on the offense with the gospel this year. This past year was defense, and, and that makes sense. What's going on? Who's with us? Are we going to make it? Can we keep our staff? What do we do? It makes sense that you regroup and go on, on defense um, th that is the right response in a moment of crisis. But the offense is being called to the field. This is not the time for infighting and you're this and we're that and we're going to be taken out because we're, we're uptight about all of these things. We have got to move beyond that. And I'm not doing this because I think our church is all fractured. That's not why I'm doing this. I, I've told Jess, I've said, babe, I, I think I've had it much better than a lot of pastors. I think our church has done really well. But, but I do think we need to be able to talk like this as well. So um, our goal is not to preserve what's left of the church, either grace or the church in America. 
The goal right now is to serve humanity, to do more good than we ever imagined, and to talk about Jesus until we start a movement. I'm kind of tired of just going to church. I want to contribute to a movement that makes a difference. It's time for us to be so unapologetically for Jesus that it sparks a spiritual revolution. Amen? Okay, Amanda, let me have you and Lisette come up. So that's our ambition. Now, our policy moving forward is going to be the same that it's been this whole time. So, so here's where I'm landing on how we navigate, because we thought the pandemic was over, and, and surprise. Um, but but w- w- we are not going to defy the mask mandates. Christians aren't being isolated with this. It's not just Christians have to wear a mask inside an L.A. county. If that was the case, it's a different story uh, of how you approach those things. But we're not going to defy the mask mandates, but nor are we going to be paralyzed by fear and and just jump at every new recommendation that comes our way, especially when there is so much confusion. Um, Because of the incredibly confusing messages sent to us about masks and how effective are they and when do you wear them and when don't you, and you should wear them, but I don't have to wear mine. There's so much confusion. I mean, think about the Olympics. I cannot figure out when and where and why and how the athletes are supposed to wear their masks. There's no consistency of when it's off and when it's on. It's very, very confusing. And even to try, and let me just quickly look down online and, and, and find the answer. It's, it's confusing enough that, that it's making me decide that we at Grace, we're going to stick with our three-week planning philosophy. Sometimes uh, organizations, they have a five-year plan. Well, during COVID, we've never had more than a three-week plan because we didn't know how things were going to change. Um, if things don't change in the next handful of weeks, in the next couple of weeks, if this latest mask mandate is strongly in effect and it's clarified and it's clear, then, then I'm going to go along with that. But, but I am going to give it a little more time. I'm going to give it a couple more weeks because things are changing so frequently. So many places aren't doing masks at all. And, and so, you know, we're being told so many confusing things. You must get the vaccine, but no, the vaccine isn't actually working now. You must work. So, and again, I know you have strong thoughts on all of it. I'm just saying, based on all that's coming at us, we are not going to defy the government on this. We are going to model love, but I'm also going to give it a little more time just to see, okay, is this a, is this a quick reversal? Because we've had a lot of those things. So in, in the meantime, over the next couple of Sundays, if, if, if you feel strongly different from me on this, I want you to wear a mask and worship your heart out. Or I want you to sit outside and worship your heart out. I want you to serve each other with all of your hearts. I want us to model what we preach here in this church. We're, we're trying to serve everyone with indoor, outdoor, and online options. And listen, I'm, I'm doing the best that I can to blend scriptural principles, wisdom, the, the, the culture of my people, you're my people, and, and, and just practical management steps moving forward. Um, it, so it, so just, just do me a favor. Just pray for me, pray for all of us, and, and then hang in there with me. So if you wish we were wearing masks next Sunday, just give me a couple weeks and pray and worship as, as you're convicted to do. Um, if you're thinking, why would you make us go back to mask? I want you to pray for me and I want you to hang in there and give me a few weeks and I want us to walk through this together. This won't be going on forever. Um, and in the meantime, let's reset to our convictions. 
Let's fight and win the right battles. Let's keep our allegiances clear. Let's talk about Jesus more than ever before. And let's do more good. So moving forward, if you want a church that says, stick it to the government, we are probably not the church for you. But if you want a church that never has an opinion about anything that's happening in the world around us, then we're probably not the church for you either. But if you want a church where Jesus is the magnificent obsession and our entire ambition is to please and honor him, well, then in the words of the one and only Taylor Swift, you belong with me. (laughs) And we belong together.